Hello and welcome to the I Do Consent podcast with me, your host, Jen Wilson, also known as Irregular Jen. Season 2 is here with the Consent Compass launching on the International Day of Consent, 30th of November, 2023, continuing this work to platform consent as a practice and a tool for making positive changes from the personal to the global. Thanks for listening in. Hello and welcome today to today's I Do Consent podcast. My guest today is uh, Malcolm Struthers. Malcolm is a clinical hypnotherapist and uh, his hypnotherapy business that he launched recently has followed a successful 20-year career in PR, communications, marketing, working across a range of sectors and strategic management roles. He's worked on a range of award-winning internal and external communications projects, including with the LGBT Foundation, George House Trust, Manchester Pride and Salford Pride, and has won a number of Diversity and Inclusion and Community Champion Awards. I know Malcolm because he is a trustee at Happy Valley Pride, where I'm the chair, and because of the wonderful work he's been doing there with Mind Your Head. Um, which is a programme that I'm hoping we can talk a bit about today. So maybe we could start there, Malcolm. Could you just tell us a little bit about the Mind Your Head programme? Absolutely, Jenny, and uh, thank you for thank you for having me on. And uh, the Mind Your Head programme is, as you say, part of Happy Valley Pride in partnership with the Brunswick Centre. And it was actually it came out of it came out with the pandemic. Uh, about about this time last year, towards late 2020, we had shifted to online events at Happy Valley Pride, as as all other Pride and live event organisations had to do last year. And we were just thinking about what what type of events we could we could continue to do, where we could continue to do something to bring people together to help the LGBTQ plus community in in Calderdale and beyond. And we just thought that there was something about mental health because there was so much talk about mental health during this early stages of the pandemic. Uh, and with a little bit of research, we kind of, we kind of found some really shocking statistics that demonstrated that LGBTQ plus people are, are more likely to be impacted by issues around mental health, but far less likely to seek services and support for that so there was this big disconnect mm. now what could we do at Happy Valley Pride uh, we're not a mental health organization but what we do have is a, a really good audience a really good connection with that audience uh, so we put on a we put on a panel event we brought together some people from you know various uh, various aspects various disciplines and we just had a chat we had a chat about some of the issues we had a chat about you know, why do we think that there is a disproportionate amount of people from LGBTQ plus communities with 
anxiety or depression or whatever it may be what can be done how can we make people more confident and comfortable seeking those services very informal and the feedback we got was really positive and the Brunswick Centre approached us about doing some more work in this area and so we've been working together on how we can best do that and that's led to the Mind Your Head campaign which launched back in September as part of the Hatha Valley Pride Festival uh, and again we're you know we're not we're not a service provider but what we can do, I think, is bridge that gap between our audience, who we've got that connection with, and some of the fantastic services that are available. Mm-hmm. So we created this online hub where people can go to, can visit and have a look uh, and, and, and quickly access information about what is available, what's available locally in Hebden Bridge and surrounding areas, but also nationally. We've also got some hints and tips. We've got some some of the, some of the statistics that I mentioned, uh, some videos that demonstrate some personal stories, which are always so impactful and powerful. And we've been putting on a, a range of events, uh, events that are looking at, for example, what exactly do we mean by anxiety and what can we do about it? Mm. Uh, Matthew Todd, who used to be the editor of Attitude magazine and wrote a fantastic book, on the topic called Straight Jacket, uh, gave us a talk uh, back in September. We even did Keep Fit aerobic session because you know I think everyone knows the links between mental health and physical health, and also it was just it was just a bit of fun and it really put a smile on people's faces. And all these events are still available on the website, and you can go and have a look at them. Great. And it's just a nice way I think to to do something in this in this area. Uh, something where I think as a pride organisation, we didn't really know where we, where we could make a difference. But I think when we realised that what we could do is is be a bridge of be a facilitator of bring bring that information to people, then to help make it a bit easier if someone does want some additional support, additional level of help then we can make it easy for them. Uh, so that's where it came from. It's grown and grown. And, you know, we're looking to continue to grow that in 2022 with even more events, uh, even even more work around the campaign. Uh, so, you know, we're really pleased with how it's going so far. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been really excited about this programme um, as, you know, fellow trustee at Happy Valley Pride as well. I suppose... For people listening to the I Do Consent podcast from um, whether they're local, national or international listeners, they might be wondering at this point, well, hang on a minute. Why are they talking about LGBTQ mental health? I thought this was a podcast about consent. Um, So for me, the link's really clear, um, particularly around that bit of consent, which is the consent we give ourselves mm-hmm. in our own head, um, permission to do stuff, permission to feel stuff, permission to express stuff and to be ourselves um, or not. And um, that sort of internal self-consent and um, the shame that people can sometimes feel about the lives that they're living or the the, the things that the, the um, stigmas that people attach to us as queer people. Um, so I think it, I, I, I think that's where consent comes in. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, what are your thoughts around consent and mental health? 
Now, I think that idea of, of self-consent is, is a very powerful idea. And I think certainly, <clears throat> certainly something that links very strongly into, into the campaign and what, what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, why are the LGBTQ plus community disproportionately impacted? Well, it, that's numbers, but you talk to individuals and every individual story is, is going to be different. But I think it goes back for a lot of people, and certainly in my own personal experience, you know, growing up my formative years in the, you know, especially in the late eighties, early nineties, of coming to terms with being gay was 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 very difficult. Actually, when you come to consent, you know, allowing, allowing myself to be myself mm. wasn't it, it just it, it just wasn't possible. I think looking back at that time, and a lot of a lot of people around about the same age and I've spoken to people about this uh, quite extensively uh, have a very similar viewpoint and that, that at that time and prior to that time you know coming out was so so difficult and giving yourself that consent to do that that self-consent was such a powerful thing but then to expect that oh okay we've come out that's it life's life's perfect now mm-hmm. wonderful uh no, there's going to be some baggage that you're taking forward with you. That shame that we were made to feel yes. uh, from that time, and especially you know in, in the 80s for many reasons. Uh, but that shame, that 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 threat, that fear, and yet it almost feels like once you've come out, that's all done and dusted in the past. Let's mm-hmm. carry on now with this new happy out gay life it doesn't it doesn't work like that no and I think really that can, yeah and it, it can bring out it can bring out a lot of issues later on mm. uh in life because a lot of that hasn't been processed it hasn't been dealt with uh so I think you know I think that's really interesting specifically for the LGBTQ plus community where you know, you know whatever way you look at it it's a very different childhood and teenage years and you know into into adulthood is a very different experience as well I mean that that coming out experience is something you know people think of it as a a one-off experience Mm -hmm. don't they you know it's you just come out once but um I I don't know about you but for me my experience of coming out is that that I'm still continually coming because yeah because people make assumptions about Mm -hmm who I am and what I stand for and who I love and how I behave. And um, sometimes those assumptions are way off. And when people are making consumption, making assumptions, sorry, they are um, usually not um, inside consent, in my experience. Assumptions are where we get things really muddied and really wrong in our interactions with each other. Yeah, and every single time I mention for example, you know, or my husband, mm. and you see that flicker within the person, mm. and you know, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily a negative experience, but it is still, it is still, it is still coming out. Yeah. Uh, and you know, at work, and even you know, even recently, when you ever, whenever you meet someone new, and you give them that piece of information about yourself, mm. you know, you don't have to sort of sit them down and explain that you know I'm gay, uh, and there's no big drama necessarily about it. Mm. Certainly not, not in my experience recently. But there is still that moment, that flicker of, oh, right, okay. 
Yeah. Uh, and it, and and, it, and that will continue to be so. That will continue I, to be I, so. I, I described it when I came out as polyamorous to my family. Um, I I described it as whenever I would mention one of my partners in in um, in in a family situation, it was like I'd let off a polyamorous fart in the room. <laughs> it was just a sort of. <laughs> You know, that sense of the, the slightly shameful, the slightly, we're not going to insult you. We're not going to, like, be directly, um, you know, homophobic or, you know, confront you with issues. But there's that sense of unease sometimes, isn't there, of, of, of other people, that sense of, oh, we've got to do a bit of work now to accept you and mm-hmm. who you are. Um, and that's probably that's probably the best response in some ways that you know we we, we hope for because mm. it could be so much worse. It could, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's obviously not a it's not necessarily a positive response, but we kind of just hope for the we kind of just hope for a neutral yes. response in 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 those situations. And actually, and I often you know I think myself very very lucky when I look back on my experience. I've I've never had an ov- overly negative experience at all of that but as many people have they've been you know shunned by family and friends and you know their 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 life has been turned upside down by that experience yes Uh, and for transgender people as well that that sort of daily fear um and the little microaggressions of people getting pronouns wrong or dead naming people or those kinds of things they 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 amount to horrible horrible damage don't they over a long period of time yeah and absolutely and that that is going to cause anxiety potentially depression Mm -hmm. uh certainly you know frustration certainly going to knock 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 self-esteem knock confidence absolutely uh so i think you know we need we need to know that all of that is going to have an impact Mm. And then, of course, on the other side of all of this, in terms of sort of shame and stigma and self-consent, there's the issue that um, is common to... Is that your dog? It is my dog, sorry. They're suddenly (laughs) designed to play up now that I'm thinking somewhere. (laughs) The dog is welcome. Um, So, uh, yeah, um, talking about mental health is difficult for all kinds of people, isn't it? It's not just for the LGBTQ plus community, but for all people, there's a lot of stigma still around mental health. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's what I think I think that's one of the positives to come out of the pandemic is that there has been much more focus in this area. Mm-hmm. And some of some of those stigmas are hopefully being being broken down. Mm-hmm. But I think it, just people talk about mental health like it is something that happens to other people. Mm-hmm. Or it's something that will happen, you know, at some point in in your life, well, no, it ha- it's happening all the time, mm. and we need to look after our maybe we- mental well being is a better way of looking on it, just like physical health. Mm. You know, we'll take vitamins, we'll try and hopefully go to the gym and exercise, and take our five a day, and we need to we need to treat our mental well being similarly to that. Mm. Uh, so, and there's a progress that's being made, but you know, on the news this week, we're looking at how the NHS guidelines are changing from moving away from medication as being the first option to therapy mm. uh, but when you sort of dig a little bit deeper there are some issues around that and there's obviously still stigma around medication there's still stigma around therapy as well yes. uh, so actually it's not just about mental health generally but how we treat that as well there's a lot of stigma around that as well 
Yes, absolutely. And um, yes, and again, we're back into assumptions and expectations about what's what's best for us and what's best for other people. But um, and there's not there's, there's no one size fits all. No. Uh, you know, and, I, and in in my role as a hypnotherapist, a lot of people come to that as a, as a very last resort if they've tried other things. Mm. Uh, and that is is a form of therapy that works so so well for many people. I had it myself. That's why I end up. That's why I ended up studying it, and ch- it changed my life. Literally changed every aspect of my life. Mm. It's not going to do that for everyone, obviously. Mm. Uh, other forms of therapy might be better. CBT, NLP, uh, medication is something I've had in the past that really helped me. And it it's about combinations. It's about balance. It is about making sure that we take a holistic approach to to all these things, yes. and about realizing that there's no there's no quick answer to to mm. this. And you can't just prescribe, you know, there is a worry that doctors now is going to be prescribing people to go and have a walk outside. Uh, and that will help with depression. Well, it might, you know, going for a walk outside is certainly a good thing to do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But when I think someone's gone to the gone to the GP, it's taken getting to a certain point for them to do that. Mm. So that I think a five minute appointment with a GP might not necessarily get to get to the treatment that they potentially require in that situation and so that is a concern I think at the moment. I think so too and um, you know and of course um, our health service is um, overwhelmed still with the pandemic in the background and and but even before the pandemic and I, I've I've had depression and anxiety on and off over the years as well and um, it feels like sometimes you have to be the right amount of mentally unwell to get the treatment you need you're either not unwell enough and it's go away and have a nice walk in the countryside or you're too ill for us to help you um you know you need to actually be on the brink of some you know a very very serious mental health break mm-hmm. to, you know or being sectioned or something to actually get the help that you need um and expecting people who are suffering with their mental health to be assertive in that moment and and go no I really want some help and that's, um, a, that's the last thing that you feel during that time to wait four months for a for a counseling session mm-hmm. which is what happens it's it's uh it really is a a, a bad situation but there are and there, there are organizations out there who they're not just ready and able they're eager for people to contact them because that's why they're there that's why they that's why they exist uh, and you know, certainly we've work, been working a lot at Happy Valley Pride with local organisations who are fantastic in what they do. Yeah. And there's a lot of national organisations as well. Uh, Anxiety UK being one that I know quite well that do, do great stuff. And it's making sure that we're actually using some of these services that are available to us. And as I say, they're ready, they're able, and they're you know they're waiting for people to get in touch with them because. Uh, that's that's why they're there. So again, again, though, I think when you when you are having, you know, when you are having issues, mm. then the last thing you want to do is necessarily to have, be going on and finding out this information, mm. and you know, doing the research. So hopefully, we've done a lot of that for people and made it easy for them just to do a few clicks to find out a service that would be that would be suitable for them. But again, even just you know, when you're at when I've been I've been very depressed and I've had anxiety I've had panic attacks in the past and the most difficult thing that at that moment is knowing what to do mm. so in some ways preemptive 
work is is and that's something I've learned is actually is to keep an eye on my own mental health yes. to do all the preemptive stuff like trying to eat right or cut down on my alcohol if if it is a particularly stressful time and get outside or put on a put you know just putting on a song that makes me smile mm. if I am feeling a little bit low and it's starting to catch up on me I, I will do that if I leave it too long though I won't do that because it's caught up with me already yeah yeah Oh, absolutely. I've got my little checklist of, of things to do when I'm feeling because um, I have ADHD as well. So one of my challenges is getting stuck in executive dysfunction. You know, mm. where that thing of I've got, I know I've got a bunch of things that are on my to do list and I know how to do them. But my brain will not let me get off the sofa. Um, you know, so I, I at that point have got my kind of um, emergency list of just go for a walk or <laughs> mm-hmm. just move your body, stick on a song and dance to it. Just do that. See how you feel after that. Mm-hmm. You know, just little things that you can do that kind of trick you out of a out of a downward spiral. And they really do make a difference to those, you know, those little things. Mm. And it is about making sure that they are part of our life every day. Mm. Uh, a bit like, you know, a bit like getting you know, fruit and veg and all the things we need to do from a nutrition point of view or from a physical point of view. Mm. Actually, we should be doing lots of little things every single day to be you know, keeping on top of our mental well-being. Mm. Uh, it won't stop things happening to people. It won't stop, you know, depression no, it won't. and anxiety. And I mean, there's, there's also that sort of, you know, when on this podcast quite a bit, um, some of the other people I've been talking to, we've been talking about the culture that we live in and isn't a consensual culture that we live in. It's one, you know, there's patriarchy, there's white supremacy, there's capitalism, there's lots of layers of um, coercive stuff that we're Mm -hmm. all socialised within and we are all trying to find our way around. And and it's difficult for everyone to navigate that. That's going to have an impact on everyone's mental health in, in some ways, isn't it? Absolutely, and and there's and and there's this then internal conflict that happens by you don't want to feel this way, mm. but you are feeling this way. And mm. if you know if it was just a case of talk yourself out of it or pull your socks off or give yourself a shake, you know we, we wouldn't we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Mm. But there is you know consciously we are aware that we do not want to feel this way. We do not want to be anxious. We do not want to be depressed. Mm. But so, still, there's something that is making us that way and something that really helped me is you know realizing that a lot of that comes from the unconscious which is coming from a good place Mm. there's a positive intention Mm. often behind this you know and if you look at the whole you know the reasons for anxiety and it's the fight flight freeze mode and it all comes from trying to keep us safe and actually that gave me a lot of comfort when I kind of realized that that it's got a good intention it's maybe it's maybe gone into overdrive Mm. the settings are maybe all a little bit out I remember it was a good analogy that it's a bit like having a toaster that uh, it's a bit like having a smoke alarm that goes off every time you make a bit of toast right yes you don't want to get rid of the smoke alarm because you want it to be there when when you need it but it's just acting a little bit too sensitively Yes. So you just need to adjust the settings a little bit because you can't have it going off all the time. Yeah. And actually, that kind of really worked for my anxiety. It was going off at everything. It was going off if I had to make a phone call at work or do a presentation, which I'd done so many times before. But for some reason, it was setting off, or even just you know walking through a crowded street. Yeah. It was going off. It was being far too sensitive. 
but I still wanted to be there for when I needed to be there. Mm. And that really helped me having that that level of understanding was a, was a big difference to me. You know, I say, you know, looking a little bit under the bonnet and thinking, why why am I doing it this way? Actually, it's coming from a good place. Mm. It's just not quite working for me at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And so your hypnotherapy work um, is one of the ways you can kind of delve around into that and and begin to heal some of those deeper, older traumas, I guess, that, that people are carrying around, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. But actually, the, the style of hypnotherapy that I do is called solution focused, and it is very much it's about the here and now and where we want to be. Mm. Uh, obviously, we talk a little bit about the past and where things come from, but you know, it's not it's not it's not too focused on that. Mm-hmm. It's very much future focused, mm-hmm. and and what I found is, you know, clients always have a very clear idea of how they want to feel, mm-hmm. of how they want to be. And actually something we, something we ask in, in this, and a lot of other therapies use this as well, is, is the miracle question. If a miracle happened overnight and you, you achieved everything you wanted to achieve, what would be different tomorrow? Mm. And actually people find it really quite easy to, to with, a bit, you know, with a bit of questioning, they find it really quite easy to then be able to imagine themselves in that place. Actually, actually this would be different. I would feel this way. I would... I would do this. I would then actually go out for a run rather than sat on the sofa. I would, I would be able to enjoy these things that I used to enjoy or whatever it may be, and it is different for everyone. But mm. actually asking that question, getting them to think to the future where actually this change has occurred mm. is really powerful. And then it's about actually making sure that the client finds the resources that they already have. They've got all the resources they need to make this change. And quite often it is just about getting that unconscious barrier, whatever it is that's stopping them, and actually acknowledging it's got a good intention. But mm. maybe let's try something else instead. Let's try, mm. let's try a different way. And often that can make, you know, it, it can be, it can be for many people transformative. For a lot of other people, it kind of nudges them in the right direction. Yeah. But there's certainly a really positive shift. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. And I I think, you know, going back to the stuff we were saying about self-consent is it's unlocking that sense of your personal agency and giving yourself permission to go ahead and do things and to to um, address the things that you want to address and to be yourself, whoever you are, and all of those kinds of things. So, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And it is, yeah, completely and allowing, allowing yourself to be the person that you want to be. Yeah. And actually, so, and, and a lot of it is actually about treating yourself with, you know, it's not even about respect or anything like that. It's just about, I always ask people quite often when, when they've got a lot of negative self-talk, that, well, what, what advice would you give to your friend if they were in this situation? And they, they, they will say whatever they say. Why can't you talk to yourself in the same way, mm-hmm. in a positive, life-affirming way, rather than what they tend to do, what we all tend to do is have this really negative, self-talk we talk to ourselves in a way that we would never really think about talking to anybody else indeed uh, and no one else would allow you to talk to them the way you talk to yourself mm-hmm. and I find that I think that's fascinating that we allow ourselves to do that and actually we need to we need to we need to be aware of it mm-hmm. we need to be aware of that and really try and stop ourselves from from having that internal conversation in the way in which we do Absolutely. We can be kinder to ourselves, then maybe we can also be kinder to each other. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Malcolm, for um, being with us today uh, and sharing all these wonderful thoughts. Um, before we go, I've been asking all our guests in November 2021, in the run-up to the International Day of Consent, if you had one message for the International Day of Consent, what would your message be? And I think it goes back to your your point you just made, and uh, you know, as, as we want to shift the culture from entitlement and privilege towards empathy and kindness, we need to make sure we start doing that with ourselves first. Absolutely, well, that's a wonderful message to leave us with, Malcolm Struthers. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks for listening to the Idea Consent podcast. Please like, share and bring your comments or questions about anything that you've heard on the podcast to me, Jen Wilson, on social media as Irregular Jen or find me on the web at irregular.org.uk forward slash I do consent. You can sign up for the mailing list and find out more about the frameworks, training, support and other things available for practicing consent and to support the International Day of Consent please also visit idoconsent.org. And remember, keep it curious, kind and consensual.